Hello and welcome to another episode of a Brothers Creed podcast where we talk about motivation, experiences, and we explore the world around us. We are the Thomas Brothers, and I'm Jared. And I'm Ethan, and today we're going to be talking about the power of observation. Um, there's lots of different aspects to observation. Uh, we've talked about maybe in more of like a, a, a war sense or a spy scenario and observing your surroundings. But this one, I think we're going to kind of expand it out a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, more about ob- observing just people in general. Um, I'm going to dig into a little bit about how to read people, um, some things that you can do to read a scenario or a situation or maybe tell how someone's feeling by just observing them. Um, and then maybe get a little bit into kind of the opposite of that, uh, maybe perception. Perception is how others observe you. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting one. Tell a couple stories, and, and we'll get into it. All right, let's do it. Spartans, what is your profession? Any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change. Let us all unite! Let us fight for a new world! A decent world! Okay, so first off the bat here, I want to share a small clip. Uh, First thing I thought of when we were talking about uh, perception, being perceptive, being observant, uh, (laughs) a a movie, and uh, I'll see if our, our audience can guess what movie this is. Here's a clip from it. And six passports and a gun. Who has a bank account number in their hip? I come in here, and the first thing I'm doing is I'm catching the sight lines and looking for an exit. I see the exit sign too. I'm not worried. I mean, you were shot. People do all kinds of weird and amazing stuff when they're scared. I can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed and the guy sitting up at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. I know the best place to look for a gun is the cab of the gray truck outside. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that? (laughs) Movie? Born identity. That's right, man. <laughs> I think it's just so funny. He's like, I can run flat out before my hands start shaking. It's like, does that mean that like you've run out of energy? <laughs> well, I think that was more like if you were gonna like shoot a gun or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. But whenever I was a kid, I was like, oh man, that's like he's so aware and like all this stuff. But now, like listening to that, I'm like, okay, so he sees that the guy at the bar weighs about two fifteen, <laughs> and he can run about a half a mile. <laughs> I mean, unless he's like up in the Rockies, is like the altitude's pretty, <laughs> pretty. And, and out insane. of the and out of the six people that are in the diner, the one maybe burly guy with a beard versus the like two hippie guys or whatever, yeah, <laughs> most likely going to be the one to have a gun in his truck. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after after rewatching this uh, for this episode, I'm like, oh, maybe that's not that impressive, but still, uh, it 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 shows situational awareness, I guess. Yeah, or even just self-awareness. Yeah, yeah what's what, what your potential 
capabilities are. Yeah, exactly. But I like that. Um, so uh, one thing that I was going to get into first was uh, a little bit of, you know, we talked about when, when you observe, there's lots of different ways to observe the environment around you. You know, you have your senses. You have um, sight and smell and touch and um, taste and hearing Right, so there's all these different senses that we have to experience the world around us and to observe the world around us. Um, and I was actually reading a book the other day that was talking about these, and a lot of times people, um, when they talk about the the was it six or five five senses, mm-hmm. right, that I just mentioned, not the sixth sense, uh, that's seeing dead. That's different. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's different. That's a different thing. Um, but people think about, they talk about these five senses and it almost seems when people talk about it, that you, everyone has like an equal number of, um, you know, these five senses that, you know, uh, these five senses are equally divided into 20% and that equals the 100% of your senses. Yeah. And it's really not that way. No. Uh, Um, different people have different senses that are heightened. Uh, or that are that are weakened, um, you know. Some people they lose a sense and they gain strength in a different sense. Um, and some senses, just in general, are 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 stronger than others. You know, it's like the whole saying, "Oh, I got to see it to believe it." People don't say, "Oh, I got to smell it to believe it," or <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, "I got to taste it to believe it." Um, so the the whole thing was this the, this thing that I was reading was saying that sight is probably the most powerful um, uh, sense that you have mm-hmm. because it is what almost convinces your brain that something is real or not. Yeah. Um, and kind of interesting. Yeah, I had actually so, some stats on that. If, if you want yeah, me to go ahead. So I was looking at like the ways we communicate. Uh, they said that body language is 55% of communication. So that includes like posture, like what you're doing, are you fidgeting, are you doing with your arms, what are you doing with your mouth, how are you standing, uh, are you shuffling papers when you're talking. Uh, so that's 55% of the communication. The actual words you speak are only about 7%. The tone of voice is 31%. And then the, um, and then the way that you use, you know, words uh, to communicate, it's an additional 7%. So uh, that is kind of like, you know, showing that the when you speak, it's mostly what you're doing, how you're acting. And then on top of that, the tone of your voice. If you have a real mean tone, then people are going to like, I love you. You know, people are like, oh, I don't believe you very much, you know. Um, so... That, that's why people who are sarcastic sometimes, like myself, uh, you have to be really careful because sometimes people will take it literally, especially when they don't know you and especially when they can't see you. Uh, so sometimes I'll make jokes on like conference calls at work. And although I'm joking, people don't know my personality that well and they think that I'm being serious. And I'm like, oh, I was just kidding. <laughs> so you have to be aware yeah. of that when you're on virtual Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and that was actually part of... Um uh, Jared and I both read a book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, who was a uh, negotiator for the FBI. Um, and that was one of the things he talked about was the, the 73850 rule, that whenever you're communicating with someone, 7% is the content, 
38% is tone of voice and 55% is body language or your facial feature or your facial reactions. Um, yep. so yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. Um, I, I had a, a list of, um, different tactics to how, on how to read people. Um, I was going to share that, uh, and then we could kind of maybe get into some uh, other things you had or examples. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so this is just a just a general list of how to read people, and there's tons of the lists out there. There's ones from the FBI, and there's ones from uh, you know, all different kinds of stuff. But I thought this list was pretty comprehensive. The first one was uh, learn to distinguish positive and negative body language. Um, a lot of these are talking about body language. So learn to distinguish someone who's posturing in a positive way versus a negative way. Um, pay attention to the voice pitch, well, which goes into well, what we just talked about. What would be somebody posturing it in, a, in a negative we'll, way? We'll, oh, okay. You're we'll, we'll, get it, we'll get into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, let's pay attention to the pitch in their voice. We talked about that. It's kind of the tone of voice. Uh, pay attention to their breathing. Um, if someone is stressed out or if they are anxious, their their rate of breathing might become more shallow, might become quicker. Um they might start sweating, uh, different things like that. Uh, look at this one was really interesting. Look at the curvature of someone's fingers. So when I first read, it, I was like, "What the heck?" Um, and a little bit of an explanation is that when someone's fingers are slightly curved, they it means that they are at ease. Um, you never see someone walking around with their fingers straight forward. Like flexed. Oh yeah. Um, and as I was reading that, I kind of my hand was sitting on the desk, and I looked at my hand, and my fingers are slightly curved. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm I'm semi relaxed right now." But I mean, I can I, I can think of times that I've been really stressed, and you kind of like you know you're always you know maybe like stretching your hands or, or fidgeting and stuff like that. Yeah. That you're not just in a, a curved finger relaxed hand. So that could uh, be a, a sign of maybe uh, lying or uncomfortableness or whatever. But also like a clenched um, fist too. Like if someone's clenching their fists or their jaw, that might be an indicator they're about to pop off on you. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, number four was, or excuse me, number five was check their lean. If someone is interested in your conversation and what you're talking about, then they'll lean in. Um, on the other hand, if someone is fearful or uninterested, they'll lean back. Um Another one, and this is one you just said, check their grip. Um, kind of like the fingers uh, being, uh, uh, basically if people ball up their fists or if they have a tight grip or if they extend their fingertips, as typically happens in a stressful situation. Um, number seven is pay attention to their movements, if they're constantly fidgeting. Uh, and number eight is observe the nuances of their smile. And then it gets into, there's three different types of smile. Um, and so I'm going to go through those three different types. I don't know mm -hmm. how exactly to pronounce this first, first one, but it's uh, a, a Duchini smile, um, which basically this, is a, uh, this smile is a true smile. It's true, genuine enjoyment. Um, and you can spot it because it usually involves showing teeth and also a reaction in the eyes. And then you have a social smile, which is um, also called an uh, uh, affiliative or a non-enjoyment smile. Um, this one usually has no teeth and 
don't no reaction with the eyes. It's used to convey courtesy or friendliness rather than genuine happiness. So this one's kind of the one where you're walking down the hall at work and you see somebody that you maybe have or have not talked to before and you just like, you know, give them a little closed mouth smile. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's just a social smile. And then you have a dominance. So this is um, the lopsided smile or that looks more like a smirk. It is where one corner of the mouth is raised, and it can usually be used to convey confidence or even like condescension within a conversation. Um, so if somebody's doing that, then they feel confident or they feel superior in a situation uh, that might be going on. So uh, kind of interesting, the, the different nuances of just body posture and how to read people. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, sometimes, like, I, it's pretty easy, like, when you're talking to someone and then they just start, like, looking around or they start, like, looking beyond you or they just start, you know, talking or, or just, you know, they just aren't really interested in what you're saying. I think sometimes people do that in subconsciously uh, because they're just maybe not interested in what you have to say. Uh, I felt that way in talking to, to people that like, you know, they'll ask me something and I like start talking to them and telling them what they asked me. But then like mid, mid me talking, they're like, Oh, and they start talking to somebody else. And I'm like, Oh, I guess you didn't really have any interest in what I had to say. Or we'll be standing around like a group and I'll, you know, try to contribute something to the conversation. But then this other person will start off another side conversation with someone else in the group while I'm telling the group like what I'm saying, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I've run into several of those scenarios and I'm like, Oh, this person doesn't really have any interest in what I have to say. Uh, so maybe I should just not talk around this person or like not act like this, you know, it, it, like I'm, a, I'm trying to observe the situation to say like, Hey, this person maybe doesn't care what I have to say. So maybe instead of putting myself in a situation where I'm talking and no one's listening, maybe I should just not, or just say short things yeah. and not long stories or something like that. Well, you know, you don't want to cast your pearls before swine. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely understand that. And I saw this thing the other day. Uh, it was a, a person that was British and they were talking, they had spent some time in the United States, uh, an extended period of time. And they were talking about some of the, the kind of the nuanced little things that were just kind of weird about the U.S. Mm -hmm. And one of those things was that in the U.S., I guess, we greet people with a question a lot of times. Hey, how's it going? Right. We're not really asking the person, how's it going? That's almost like us just saying hi. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, 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 I don't expect you to answer my question of, hey, how's it going? Or they might change it good. You know, yep. it, it's it's like. You know, I'm not expecting an actual long conversation when I see you and say, hey, how's it going? Or, hey, what's up? Um, mm -hmm. And I guess it, in, in England, they don't really greet like that uh, with an open-ended question. They just say, um, hello, governor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that's what they uh, say all the time. <laughs> so what, one Top thing of the morning you to said, you. <laughs> yeah. One thing that you just said, Jared, that I thought was really interesting is when you're talking with somebody and – or even like a group of people and it's just the attention's not there and you're like, well, I'm not even going to go on and share the story. I'm just going to stop talking. 
right? Why, why would I, why would I want to continue sharing? Um, I, I, I am in the process of reading this book called The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And uh, I've shared a couple of these different laws, but basically it, he goes through all these different laws and gives a bunch of examples on how to become more powerful in, in whatever environment you're in. And law number four is always say less than necessary. And I really like this law because right before I read this book, actually this was one of the reasons why I got this book, uh, was because I was watching a TikTok and some guy was talking about the fourth law of power, which was always say less than necessary. And it, 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 a couple, it pulled out a couple of little quotes from it, but uh, when you're trying to impress, the more you say, the more common you seem. Powerful people impress and intimidate by saying less. The more you say, the more likely you are to say something foolish. Um, that happened to me that kind of sparked me to look into this because I was at a was in a business meeting um, with a bunch of people, and I can't remember the exact scenario of what was going on, but we were all asked a question, and we were kind of going around and, and talking about answering this specific question. And when it got to me, I started talking, and I was a little nervous because I didn't particularly, I can't remember, I didn't know the, what the, the, the question, or I didn't, I was kind of put on the spot. And I ended up just rambling. And I was just, my my answer and comment was just completely convoluted and was just, yeah. I, I should have stopped six sentences ago with how I felt <laughs> oh, whenever God. I stopped talking. Yeah. I was like, I literally could have stopped after the first two sentences and it would have been perfect, but because I was nervous and because it was a new group of people, I was just kind of like, blah, 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 and just kept talking. Yeah. And I remember thinking in my head, stop talking, Ethan, stop talking, Ethan, but <laughs> my mouth just like kept talking. And from, from then on, I mean, this was probably a year ago, but from then on, I was just like, man, this hit so close to home to me. Always say less than necessary. It almost puts this, this, uh, this presence of of question around you of like uh you know uh wh- you know well, who is that guy and what's going on and and um mystery i guess it almost adds mystery to your life that kind of pulls people in a little so, bit so what does that mean to say uh, say less than what is necessary so if if you're trying to get your point across like isn't there a certain amount just, of necess of 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 convincing that is necessary to to convince someone to your point. So what does it mean to say yes, less than that? But I think some of it in reading into it, I think some of it is is reading the person you're talking to. Uh-huh. Right? Is that person actually interested in in hearing what is necessary to get my point across? Okay. Right? Is it going to be beneficial to them? Well, cuz so if you they know, if they could you, ask follow-up questions, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you are talking to let's say you have a project at work and you have someone who's going to help you with this project, then yeah, you need to explain to that person in detail what the project scope is. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, like if it's more of a general conversation, sometimes saying it's like saying less is, is actually more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leave a little bit of mystery in what you're saying because it's a lot better to have somebody say, oh, that's interesting versus... Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I've been listening to this guy for ten minutes, and it's incredibly boring. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think that is really what they're saying. I, I mean, yeah, you have to get your point across in certain situations where like detail is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in, in a general sense, leave a little mystery. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's an interesting, uh, that interesting point. One one aspect of you know listening, observing is uh, be, having that situational awareness. This is something you just you just said like know who you're talking to, and maybe what situation they're walking out of. Uh, if you're in a meeting with someone and you're give, you know, you're delivering a presentation to a high level executive or something, I would maybe know what meeting they're coming out of prior or. What was what are they going through right now in their personal life, or uh, you know what are their goals, what are their motives? How can you align what you're speaking that just sing true to their their goals? Because uh, sometimes you'll be in a situation where maybe someone's not really in a position to receive what you're saying, even though what you're saying is gold. They're not quite in the position to be open enough to receive it. I mean, if you're in a room giving a presentation to someone who's uh, going through a divorce uh, and his wife literally just texts him and say like, I'm taking the kids going for the weekend. But he's like, well, we talked about custody. We no, you're not supposed to do this. And then it's like, Hey, here come, let's have a meeting. Let's talk about quarterly sales. And, and like, so sometimes you won't know what the person is going through. Most times you won't know what a person is going through personally, but uh, it's important to kind of read that person, read the room uh, and, and, instruct in a way that they can be most receptive to it. Yeah, for sure. I like that. I also kind of another one I said is like we talked about the sixth sixth sense a little bit. Uh, you know, we were joking about seeing ghosts, but I think that there is kind of an intuition uh, that's there when you're being ob- observant. Now, this isn't kind of, this is, little hokey you could say but uh you could just kind of feel sometimes when when the situation is off or when something is a bad vibe uh there was a story that i was reading in an article and it said that a friend of mine once once expressed concern about a mutual friend's significant other by saying he didn't say a word to anyone the entire time we were at dinner and he never looked at you when you spoke to him he's bad news when they broke up, everyone said the person had a sixth sense. Not really. She just was she was just paying attention. Try it sometime. So, you know, sometimes if you're really observant you into intuition. Yeah, yeah, sometimes your intuition is just like because you're really observant, you can really get a feel of like, hey, this guy keeps cutting off his wife every time she starts speaking, or he doesn't look at her ever when she's talking, or their body language, they're always leaning away from each other. Or, you know, you can tell sometimes like when people are like fighting or or whatever and you're like, you know, something's up, you know, like sometimes you and I have gotten on the podcast. We we meet like every single week almost. And there have been times when we've gotten on the podcast and I'm like, oh, something's up with Ethan tonight, you know, Uh, or like, what's uh, what's going on? And you're like, nothing. And I'm like, what's going on? You're like, okay, well, we there we you know, this got yeah, this thing going on that's really stressing me out or something like that, you know. So sometimes it's just a vibe uh, that you can get. Like just like the other day and then we were uh, walking with the kids in the neighborhood and uh, there was like this really <laughs> crappy PT cruiser that was just like parked kind of right 
on the side street. It was right on the street near our house. Never seen this PT Cruiser before. Uh, and you know PT Cruisers, dude. You can get like a brand new one for like three grand. And this was a crappy one. So, uh, And there was two guys in the front seat. And as I walked by, they kind of were just like, oh. And they just started to turn around like they were going to go out of, out of the neighborhood. But they were turning around super slowly. And I was working, walking with my entire family. All the kids were on their bikes. And I was really looking at these guys like, and tried to observe them. And they waved to me, and I kind of just nodded back. But they were turning around very slowly. And then, and then they just were kind of creeping down, kind of looking at all the houses and stuff. And I'm like, this is giving me a bad vibe. And I was like, my wife was like, oh, me too. I was like, Something, something's off with this. And I was actually kind of nervous because my kids had gotten out of the bottom of the hill on their bikes and they were just kind of waiting for me and my wife. Uh, and this car was like just slowly creeping right past them. I was like literally picked up my pace and was ready to absolutely sprint full out half a mile with my hands shaking, you know, <laughs> to get to my kids in case yeah. these guys tried to jump out of their car or something. But it was weird. It was a weird vibe. Uh, so... And it wasn't just the vibe, but it was like these two guys I'd never seen before in like a really cheap car. And they they seemed like that once I noticed them, they're like, oh, then they kind of took off, but they were taking off real slow. So uh, I think just using your intuition and just observing uh, can also keep you out of a lot of trouble uh, in the real world and business world and, and whatever else. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um so I wanted to transition a little bit, um, kind of going back to the uh, the book that that we had read, "Never Split the Difference." Yeah. This guy that was uh, FBI investigator. So he he talks about a couple things um, that I thought w- was really good. So one of the things he talks about was how to spot liars, and uh, there's three things that he said out of in his experience that were kind of tell alls for people that were lying, um, and not one of these things, but I guess kind of if they're used in conjunction with each other. So one of them was use the person is using more words than truth tellers. So liars will use more words than truth tellers. They'll be very descriptive. They'll be very detailed. Um, like Amber, like Amber Heard when she's like, I stepped on a bee that afternoon. No, my, my dog stepped on a bee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, and then I really had to pee. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, that was one. And another one was the person will use pronouns like uh, him, her, it, one, they, there. They'll rarely use the I. word I because yeah. they're wanting to distance themselves from the lie. Uh-huh. And then they will speak in much more complex sentences. They're, they're trying to cover up the lie. And a lot of these things are done subconsciously, too. And so they're not really thinking about what they're doing, but it's just happening. And everyone does it, is what he was saying. Hmm. Um, another aspect of what he says is, is just listen, listen, listen. And this is really interesting. He gives three suggestions on how to listen better and or, or how to get more out of a conversation. Uh, and one is review everything that I hear. And double check. So even during conversations, asking the person, so let me let me know if I understand this right. So kind of following up, double checking with the person you're talking to. Another tactic is to use backup listeners whose only job it is is to listen between the lines. Mm-hmm. 
And so with him, when he was negotiating uh, as an FBI negotiator, he would be the one talking, but there'd be five or six other people on his team that were just listening to the call. They were not they were not talking. They were just listening and taking notes, listening, and taking notes. And then what they would do is after the call, they would all sit down and they would all compare notes as a team mm-hmm. so that they could discover any type of new information. Yeah. Because one person says, oh, did you catch this little hint of something in his voice here? Or, oh, he said this. Or, oh, he said that. A lot of times the person talking... Can't pick up on everything you, because they're trying to listen to the on, words yeah. and then respond. Yeah. Yeah. And so because the person who's talking is trying to think of a response in their mm-hmm. mind yeah and so they're not as even when someone's talking to me you know you're just constantly sub, even subconsciously thinking of your response to the to that um but if you have someone who knows that i i'm not going to respond i'm only here to listen i thought that was kind of cool um and I, actually i thought that was kind of interesting too even on like maybe important business meetings of of having someone there just to say hey you're not going to talk at all but you're just going to sit there and listen, yep. and then we can compare notes at the end of the call and just make sure that we're on the same page. Yep. Um, you know that could be be beneficial. Um, so you're saying that mirroring uh, is the first tactic, and then having other folks on the call to read between the lines is the second tactic. Yeah, definitely. That's right. So I thought, I thought that one was it. Yeah, that's right. That's that's not, what, not your right. That's not right. your right. That's right. That's one of the main things he talks about is getting. Uh, mirroring the person back so that they say that's right so they they confirm that you are understanding uh, exactly what's happening uh, yeah and you don't want to get the person to say you're right because then it almost is that p- person's like admitting defeat or whatever else you don't want them to say you're right you want them to say that's right because yeah. then it's like this this understanding uh, ag- agreement of understanding between the parties yep uh, really cool. Um, did you have a third so one? So how does did you have a, I thought oh, you said, did you have a third one? Uh, that was the the comparing notes was the third one. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Well, I was just remembering back to episode was it two where we or two or what was it in the first five episodes we talked to my father in law Dave Bunch, uh, he, he yep. who's in loss prevention. He talked about some of these things of people that are lying and how to you know be observation. You know, observe people when they're lying, and, and he catch people. And that he had told some stories about catching people who were stealing stuff from some of the stores he worked at. So if you haven't listened yeah. to that one, go back and check that one out too. Yeah, just by even the direction that they're looking when they're talking, and and he shares a little bit more tactical uh, information or strategies into telling if someone's lying. Um, so for me, I, I, did you have did you have no story or, or anything else? Oh I no, had, go ahead. I had a story. Go ahead. Yeah. So. Um, for me, when I was thinking of, of the power of observation, um, I was thinking about you know using my eyes to see what's going on and, and using my ears and, and using my senses to, to experience the world around me. But then I, I kind of thought got into the opposite of that, which is what are, are other people that are around me, they're using their senses to observe me. As well, and that's almost like their perception of me, um, and uh, it reminded me of this story that was also in the the Forty Eight Laws of Power uh, book that I was reading, and it's this really interesting story that talks about it talks about perception and reputation, and 
it, it kind of applies here, and it's just kind of a cool story. So it was in the uh, it was in China, and this was during the China's War of the Three Kingdoms. There was two generals that were great, great generals, um, and they were on opposite sides. They knew each other very well. They had fought uh, many battles against each other. And one of these generals was named uh, Chuko Liang. And uh, he was, he had a reputation of being just very shysty. He had a reputation of being a trickster and just, uh, I mean, being very slick and smart in his strategies. And, and it was like you don't underestimate you don't underestimate Chuko. Oh man, that right? sounds like a <laughs> like a Mexican drug lord or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. So uh, this uh, Liang Chuko Liang, he uh, had over two hundred fifty thousand uh, of his troops, and he w- it, they were all in this city. But what he decided to do was he decided to dispatch his uh, like two hundred two hundred twenty thousand, almost all of his troops. He dispatched them to go to, like across the country and set up camp at a different area where he was going to be um, uh, attacking. And so he was alone in this city with like 10,000 guys, um, if not fewer. And so he's just hanging out in this city. They're getting ready to leave. And then he gets word that this other general kind of his his arch nemesis, right? His rival general that hit the, the, this other general is m- marching towards the city that he's in. Um and the, that general doesn't know that he sent 200 and something thousand the majority of his men away mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And so this uh this general Chuko Liang he's like oh shoot this other guy's coming with un- with his two hundred and fifty thousand guys uh, to attack this city that I'm in with my maybe ten thousand mm-hmm. and he's just like oh geez what do I do and so he orders the the rest of his ten thousand guys he said okay what I want you to do is I want you to open the gates to the city. I want you to like open all of the doors to the city and then you disperse yourself amongst the city and hide. Just don't be seen at all. And they're like, are you sure? And he goes, yes. So they do it. They open all the doors to the city and the gates just wide open. And Chuko Liang, he goes and he dresses up like a monk and he sits atop of the um, the gate, the, the, like the, the tower that's right abro- above the opening gate. And so he sits up there and he has like a little lute that he's playing and, and, uh, he's burning a bunch of incense around him. And, uh, the, his, his nemesis comes up and rides up with his 200,000 soldiers and they ride, he rides right up to the gate. And as soon as he gets to the gate, his his nemesis recognizes that it's Chuko Liang up on the on the, the top of the wall. Uh-huh. And and uh he's like, Chuko, what are you doing? And Chuko's like, Oh, I'm just in I'm just up here enjoying my music. Come on in, come on in the city. You know, just like completely baiting him, just like acting weird and acting acting super as the kids say these days, sus <laughs> right? Acting <laughs> acting super suspicious. 
and he's just like, oh, you know, come on in. You know, we, we, we've got dinner for you. And, and he's playing him songs on his lute, and he's dressed up like a monk, and they're like, what the heck is going on? And so the, the arch nemesis guy, the other general, he's like, oh, no, he's this, this Chuko guy, he's got something baking. He's got something going on. He's like, uh, and he got so weirded out by this whole situation, and he he was so suspicious about what was going on that he ended up just turning his forces around and left. Oh wow! And it's just the 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 interesting sense of the power of of presence and the power of reputation uh-huh. that. If it was any other guy, or if it was somebody that the that the the other general didn't know, he would have just been like, "Oh, charge the city." But because it was that Chuko Liang guy, because it was him, and he had built this reputation, and he had this presence of confusion, and 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 he kind of completely threw off the other guy as the other guy was observing him. He was hearing what he was saying. He was seeing that the gates were open to the city. He was seeing that, that oh, there's no soldiers around the gate. What's going on? Where are his soldiers? Where are his 250,000 guys? It's a trick. And It's it, a trap. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a trap. Run, you know? And it gave him just enough time for uh, Chuko Liang and his guys to, to leave um, hmm. unharmed. And so I just thought it was a really interesting story, and it kind of played into... Uh, how sometimes our, our observations can can deceive us. Yeah. Uh, of, of our observations of situations can uh, kind of be interesting, and it and and it it played on the other side of uh, things as well, in that um, y- you can play with other people's ability of uh, of observation. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can use different tactics to get people to do and say and uh, attack or not attack things according to what, what their perception of you is, uh, what their observation of you is. Um, I think you know, I was watching really a, a, sh- a show recently where, oh, it was like with that. Remember Burn Notice? Remember that movie show Burn Notice? Like the whole thing is like teaching people like like half the show. It's just like, oh, whenever this is happening, do this or this. And like one of the things is like uh, there's a bunch of guys chasing him and he acts like a like a total idiot. You know, he's just running like crazy, like really scared. Oh, no, don't hurt me. You know, just trying to underplay, uh, you know, who he is Uh, or like on Walking Dead. When one of the ladies, she's like, oh, don't hurt me. I'm just an innocent woman. And then they're like, we're going to get you. And she's like, don't hurt me. And like, they're just so unsuspecting. And then she's like, and she just mows everybody down with like like a like a machine gun, you know? Um, spoiler law, alert. <laughs> law, law, number, law number 21 is play a sucker to catch a sucker. Seem dumber than the mark. There you go. And so it's kind of exactly like that, you know? It's act like an idiot and people might think you are an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's funny, or man. Act act weak, and people might think you're weak, and then they'll they'll lighten up on you know their what they're doing, and, and then you can maybe surprise lose them. Concentration, and then you attack. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a cool story. Uh, very cool story. So 
Yeah, I mean, th- these are just kind of some some cool little things that uh, how how being more observant in our environment can can help us. Um, I think it's good that that little thing that you shared at the beginning, Jared. I think it's good to be observant of of just situationally what's going around, what's going on around us. Uh, you know, he was in that diner and and uh, he saw the people that were in there. He knew where the exits was and everything. But I think another part of that was he knew he was kind of self-aware. Yeah, he knew how long he could potentially run and how you know how his body would react, and so he he knew that. Yeah, how many? You know, there's lots of people out there that, I mean, number one, that can't even run, um, and that l- let alone would be able to to you know have the 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 awareness to say, oh yeah, I can do this and that and the other. Um, uh, that's why that there's a saying you've heard the saying that goes, uh, uh, believe none of what you hear, only half of what you see. Yeah, <laughs> it's just interesting how sometimes our our senses can deceive us uh, into thinking something is a reality or thinking something is going on. Really, uh, yeah. it could just be nothing at all, or you, or you could be being deceived. Well, even like magicians, right? Magicians' entire career yeah. and goal is to deceive people with oh, their yeah. eyes. Yep. Uh, you know, deceive people's observation of what's going on. And when we uh, lean so heavily on our eyes, that's when people get, you know, bamboozled. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's definitely some tactics that can be used when talking with people as well. We went over those. Um, some of them are, are the content, less so, but more the, the tone of voice we talked about as well. That's uh, listening to how they're saying things versus what they're saying. And then also the the physical reading someone's body language. Um, we talked about leaning in. We talked about uh, fidgeting. There's s- some other ones, uh, people that are crossing their arms or their legs, uh, maybe more of a uh, suggested they're, they're being defensive or a- they're angry, uh, kind of self-protection. Um, people that uh, are lip biting or they're biting their fingers or fingernails during this can be a, a, a sign during a conversation they're trying to soothe their, themselves that they're very uncomfortable. Uh, there's all different types of, of tactics that we can do. And I say tactics, but, you know, if you're in a conversation with somebody and they're demonstrating some of these things, they're kind of biting their lip or they're um, biting their fingernails or their cuticles and they just seem kind of agitated, maybe they don't like what they're, you're talking about. Yeah, maybe so. Um, and and if you have to have that conversation, like if it's a performance review or something like that, then, you know, hey, you got to have that conversation. But maybe if it's just something that they feel that it's a conversation, that's a simple conversation, it's making somebody feel uncomfortable, just situational awareness of being able to say, uh, you know, maybe I should just stop talking here. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I think all of this stuff helps us to be better men, helps us to be more aware of our surroundings. It helps us to be able to, I feel, be more effective in uh, just our day-to-day lives, conversations. Oh. It can help us to be more effective uh, teachers to our children and, and leaders with our with our spouses and, uh, you know, just how we interact with people in general. Absolutely. And, like, the more observant you are, if you're putting your foot in your mouth, you're not going to put it as far down, you know? <laughs> it's just like, okay, maybe yeah. I tasted my toe, but, <laughs> you know, and that uh, following the analogy, but... I didn't get the whole foot in my mouth, you know, 
So you're able to kind of stop talking, uh, maybe be a little bit more like in your example you gave, Ethan, stop talking. <laughs> you're like, yeah. okay, I need listen, to. I should have listened to myself. Yes, listen to the inner dialogue of your observant self. Also, uh, one of my lessons is always listen to what my wife's first impression of someone is because she's been right almost every single time. Uh, when she's like, like sometimes she met one of my, one time she met one of my bosses uh, for an old, old job. And she's like, that guy's a creep. I don't like him. Uh, and then it was like, he's, he's just off. And then, you know, six months down the road, we were like, yeah, this guy is really off. Maybe I should be looking for a different job. <laughs> so that was just one of many yeah. examples. But, you know, some people I think have a better sense at detecting that. Uh, I hope to hone my senses uh, on that too. The sixth sense. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, this was a great episode. Uh, great observational tactics and suggestions here. Ethan, thanks for sharing those. And we gave some great examples as well uh, f- from ancient China and from uh, just uh, recently in my Jason case. Jason Bourne. <laughs> Jason Bourne, yeah. <laughs> that was from the early, what, 2000s, I think? Yeah. But uh, anyway, hopefully you guys can add this to your creed and you can be more observant. And let's go build that creed together. All right, let's do it.